Welcome to One World, One Future, the Bite Size Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nevison, and we highlight changemakers around the world who are making a difference in their community. Hello, everyone. Today we have with us Catherine Kuvalos, who is the founder of the Eris Foundation. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. So let's jump right into the interview. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I, uh, I I started this organization about five years ago, but I'm a full-time um, contracts manager. I work for a defense contractor in town, and I have uh, two beautiful children, a husband, and just kind of uh, started this on the side. So can you tell us a little bit about Ares? What exactly is it? Sure. First thing, um, ARIS doesn't stand for anything. It's A-R-I-S. And everybody asks me if it's like a cool acronym or something. And I'm like, nope, it really is not. But if anybody can come up with a cool acronym for it, that would be awesome. Um, it's a small little village in Greece where my dad was born. And I just, when I was trying to figure out what to name this organization, that's just the first thing that came to mind. So I thought, all right, we'll run with it. Um, so ARIS is a grassroots organization. We are 100% volunteer. We don't have any salaries, nothing like that. We cater to the homeless. So we take care of about 150 to 200 homeless people every Tuesday night. We serve them dinner. We provide them with hygiene items and uh, medical supplies. We and I, and I say that we, we provide all the necessities that they need to get them through the week, but we try to really have a good time. So our intention is to form a connection with these people who are out there who who really need us and need the help. That way, when they're ready to potentially change their circumstance, maybe get off the streets or go to rehab or something like that, or just if they just need some help that we're out there and they trust us because we, uh, we are there every Tuesday, rain or shine. We were there on Christmas. We were there on New Year's. We, we consistency is huge, especially with the homeless population. They have to, they have to be able to trust that you're there. Awesome. So how can someone get in contact with you if they want to help at the next um, event? Absolutely. So uh, there's there's a bunch of ways to get in touch with us. First off, they can go to the website, which is, uh, you know, www.arisfoundation.com. Um, they can always go there and send us an email or they can send me an email. It's Catherine at arisfoundation.com and it's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. Or they can just call me directly. I, I pretty much hand out my cell phone. Uh, I joke that I have like thousands of business cards all over the valley um, because, you know, they lose them really quickly. But they can they can always just call me or text me at, at 480-241-4354. And, and I'm happy to get them involved and have them come out. We love it, especially when teenagers come out to volunteer. As you know, um, it's 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 an important thing, especially for kids to be able to give back. So we're always encouraging um, little kids. My kids have been coming out since they were like four and eight, just to serve and, and see how blessed they are and, and be able to give back to the community. It's, it's a huge deal. And so we have groups, we have Girl Scouts, we have pageant girls, we have uh, soccer teams, lots and lots of kids from around the Valley who want to come out because there's not many organizations that will allow younger people to come out and get a hands-on experience. And and that's what Tuesday really is about. We um, we give a lot of hugs. We do a lot of high fives. We try to really make it a family event. And if people want to bring their children and feel comfortable bringing their children into that environment, we absolutely encourage it. 
And actually what we do is we, um, so if, if I know that a group of children are coming out, we'll try and do something fun for them because they need to have an experience too. So maybe they'll bake cookies and then they'll get to hand out the cookies that they bake. Or I'll tell their parents, uh, bring your kids to the dollar store and grab a couple bags of candy and then let them hand out the candy because then they they see it full circle, how what they're doing, how, how it impacts the person that they're giving it to. And I, I'll tell you what, the homeless community that, that we know out there, they they love it when kids come by. Because most of the time, I mean, if you can imagine being homeless on the streets, you, they've been spit on, they've been called names, they've been put down, go get a job. They hear all these things all the time. So when someone comes out and, and trusts them enough to bring their children, I mean, that's a huge trust factor. And then the kids go up and they're like, hey, would you like a lollipop? And they're just like, of course, I'd love a lollipop. You know, it's, it's that kind of an environment. So we, we love it. We love it when volunteers come out. I have to say, whenever I go and volunteer at Eris on Tuesdays, I have the best time ever. Um, me and one of my really good friends, we just did a, uh, we ha- passed out Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and we had so much fun giving I love the, it, the right? people that were there. Yeah, it was so <laughs> much fun. I had the best time ever. So do you have any big upcoming projects that you're working on? So um, we we do all the major holidays. We, we try to make them special. So right now, Easter's coming up. So we have a uh, we have uh, 285 I think Easter bags. Signed. People have signed up to do Easter bags. So what we asked for in one of those, we just we got like 800 Valentine's bags, which was absolutely insane. We you know put a note in there, get some valent for the Valentine's ones. We were like get some Valentine's candy, maybe a five dollar gift card or something, just something fun for them. Um, we do things like Christmas was was huge. Santa came out. People could get pictures with Santa. You know, we can do carolers. We, we try to do that kind of thing. So right now, the next big event is Easter. At, at that point, it's going to start getting super hot. So what we do is we, we try to make sure that everybody can cool off. We bring out the snow cone machine every week, bring out a ton of ice. We have a generator. We bring out the snow cone machine um, we're trying to figure out some other way to keep everybody cool because it can get, you know, by five o'clock, by the time we're out there, it's like 110, 115 degrees in the summer. So that's, that's kind of the next thing that's coming up. But to answer your question, we basically just go from the holiday, holiday to holiday. And that's, that's the next big event that happens. Awesome. So if it's not a big holiday coming up, how can someone help on just a weekly basis? So, um, we have we have opportunities every Tuesday. So if someone literally is just bored on a Tuesday and they want to stop by and see if there's anything to do, just come on out. I I love that. I love it when people are like, hey, I'm slow at work. I just popped by. Um, I always tell everybody, if you really, really want to do something kind of behind the scenes, make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's a cheap and easy way to give back. We hand last last Tuesday, we handed out 500 sack lunches. So that's a whole lot of sandwiches. And we do peanut butter and jelly, obviously, because they don't go bad, right? They'll get hard and they'll, they may not taste really great after a week, but they don't go bad. We can't do things like, you know, uh, turkey or salami and stuff like that because it, it could make them sick and we don't want to do that. But yeah, anytime anybody just, just wants to do something and they're sitting around bored, I'm like, make some sandwiches, just drop by some peanut butter and jellies and, and we will make sure that they go out because right now, so they, they call us a feed. 
And it sounds like a cattle drive and I hate it, but that's what they call us. So uh, that's how I refer to us as well. So prior to COVID, there was basically a feed maybe five to six nights a week. They knew they could get one meal a day that was decent, maybe take some snacks to go. After COVID, um, everything stopped. So we are one of the only feeds that are out there at this point. I had a couple of, another thing I should mention is that I call them kids. And it's not demeaning in any way. They're like my children and they call me mom. And it's mostly because most of them have been abandoned or neglected by family members. So they don't really have a mom. So when I started going out there and I started giving hugs and and telling people I love them, I was kind of like the mom figure in their lives. So they naturally became my kids. But when I say kids, they're not little people. They're literally 18 to maybe I think our oldest is 65, 70 out there. Um, but they're all my kids. They're, they're all the people that we care for. And that, that's what that means. But I, when COVID hit, I had one of my kids texted me and he said, you know what? I'm, I'm scared for the first time since I've been homeless because there's no food out there. Um, they used to dumpster dive for food. If you can imagine pizza places used to make pizzas in bulk, right? And whatever they didn't sell, they would throw away. Well, how do my kids get food during the week? They dumpster dive. So they would jump in the dumpster, grab a pizza. They would be good to go for a little while. That's not an option anymore because restaurants are really struggling. So they are building, you know, they're, they're preparing to an order rather than just preparing in case they sell it. So there was such little food out there that they were really, really terrified. So when COVID first hit, we started just going around to the different parks and making sure that at least three times a week, we were handing out sandwiches and things like that. Now we hand out, like I said, 500 sandwiches every single Tuesday just to make sure they have something to go. We we hand out chips. We hand out um, a- anything that we can think of, nuts, anything that's non-meltable, because right now it's going to start getting hot again. So if anybody gives us any chocolate, it's like rah, everything's melted. So we can't we can't really do anything about that. So we ask when people do Back lunches, PB&Js, PB&J, chips, anything like that that's non-meltable. Granola bars, nuts, fruit snacks, that kind of thing. That's what we ask for. Awesome. So how many people have you gotten off the streets and clean? So excellent question. Um, This whole process, I thought when I started this, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to head on out there and tell them, you know, you have a choice. This is great. I'm going to help you. It doesn't work that way. So these people out here on the streets, this is their family. They have most likely been neglected, abused, abandoned by their actual biological family. So you'll hear some of them be like, oh, yeah, that's my dad over there. And he's maybe two years older than the person. It's their street family. Right. So when you go out and you're like, hey, I can show you a better way. This is fantastic. They're like, why would I want to leave my family? So some of them really, really have to hit rock bottom before they're ready. And most of them, um, many, many of them start that rock bottom in they're just done. And they're like, I need some help. What can we do? A lot of them have addiction issues. And I don't say that to scare people. It's I can't tell you that if I was living under a bush, not knowing where my next meal was, that I wouldn't be shooting up heroin. I got to be honest. Um, they've, they've lived through traumatic experiences and the way they've dealt with it is to numb themselves, to self-medicate. Many of them end up with PTSD, depression, anxiety, all these things. They're terrified for the women on the streets. There's additional, um, 
things that they need to worry about, just safety issues. So that so they definitely congregate in groups. So when they're ready, we jump into action. So to answer your question, we've helped 131 kids off the streets. They don't all stay off the streets. But what that means is when they're ready, they walk up to one of us and they say, I've had complete strangers do it. They, they walk up, they're like, I'm ready, please help me. And at that point, we're like, okay, how can we do this? Do you, do you have an addiction issue? Can we get you to detox? Then we get them into, a, into rehab, which is either 30, 60 or 90 days. Then they go to a sober living. And then what's, what's miraculous, and it gives me goosebumps, is those kids who, who really do it and work hard for it and deal with all the stuff that they need to, they come back and they volunteer. And it's amazing to see it happen because they, they, they miss their family on the streets, right? So if they can help them, they want to. We have one, one young man right now, his name is Stacy, and he, was, he ended up getting clean and sober in prison. So when he ended up in prison, we wrote to him, we put money on his books, uh, we, we said, look, when you get out, you have choices. You don't have to go back and be on be homeless again. And he uh, he comes out and runs our popcorn machine every week. He said, I don't want to go back, but I want to see my friends. So he comes out and he gives them hugs and tells them he loves them. And but he's OK now. He's off the streets. So it, it's amazing. It really is. And then and then we have some some kids who get clean and sober, unfortunately, when they get pregnant. So we have um, a big network for the, the girls on the street. So, so if, if they do get pregnant, baby's always a blessing, no question about it, but they're not always ready to handle it. So we, help, we hook them up with adoption agencies if that's the choice they want, or they can go. We have a, an amazing um, collaboration with Maggie's Place. That's a home for, for homeless um, young, young moms. And uh, we, had, we had a young lady... Her kids are two now. She's been clean and sober four years. She went through the Maggie's Place program, absolutely loved it. So we, we, we definitely collaborate with a lot of different groups on the streets. And so I tell everybody, you know, we do, we do a couple things really, really great, but we don't do everything great. There's no way any organization can be fabulous in every aspect. So why bother trying when there's other people who are so fantastic out there? So what we do is we really try to reach out to different groups and say, hey, we need what you have. Come help us. And that has worked fantastically. Awesome. So I always like to get the audience involved in every single one of my episodes. And they asked a couple of the, a couple questions that you've already answered. But the ones you haven't answered yet was what is your favorite memory that is um, that you've had over the past five years of with Eris? Wow. Wow, that's a great question. I have to tell you, so when I when I first started doing this, um, it was about 10, almost 10 years ago now that I started volunteering with the homeless. And um, the organization I was volunteering with was called Tumbleweed. And they were they catered to kids from 18 to 25. And that's where I met all these kids. And they declared bankruptcy about five years in. And I, I freaked out. I said, what, you know, what are they going to do? They've got no way to do laundry. They can't they don't have clothes or food or this, that, or the other thing. And uh, that's when Eris was born. But I have to tell you the very first time that I walked into Tumbleweed to volunteer, I was nervous. I mean, I, I, I'd never worked with homelessness in the past. And I had a conversation, an hour and a half conversation with three young men, iPod, it, and Brandon. And I just, my heart just exploded at that point. But what I didn't realize was how hard 
this was going to be. It's, it's hard emotionally um, when you go in and you see people hurting. It's, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. So what I did was I started a little um, a photo album on my phone where I kept, it's called the Feels Good album. So when people send me texts, or they, or I get a picture that just makes my heart sing. I put them in, into that feels good album. And the reason I do that is because some days are so hard and I cry and I, I need to remember what I'm doing this for. And it's, it's for those kids who really, really are affected by having someone who loves them. So I had one young lady. Um, it's actually the one with the twins that I told you about. She has twins. Now she'd had three prior children, but she'd been an addict at the time and they, they'd all been taken or gone to family members. So these two boys are her life and she has completely changed her life. She's a, a peer counselor now for drug addiction and she's doing fantastically well. Um, and that's not to say that she doesn't have bad days. I don't want to, I don't want to make it make light of it that once you're off the streets, everything is glorious because that's not the way it works. But she, she told me once she thanked me and she said, um, Thank you for believing in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And it's, it still, it makes me, it gives me goosebumps and it makes me cry because it, it was, it was a really powerful moment because I, I grew up in a household where I was completely loved. I knew that I could call my parents at three in the morning, having just wrecked the car, done something stupid, and they would be there to come get me. I may get, you know, I may get yelled at, but they, I always knew they would be there always, always. And these kids don't have that. They, and I think that's what, that's what broke my heart in the very beginning when I started volunteering with them. I thought, Oh my gosh, who do they call? They have nobody. They're on the streets. And um, I think those are the stories. So I've got a thousand stories from all these kids that I absolutely adore, but, but that's one that, that always means something to me because I've heard it from a few of them being like, you know, thank you for loving us when nobody else does. And that, that, that keeps me going another day. Awesome. So due to the COVID pandemic, there has probably been some things that have probably changed at Eris, but are there any not on-site volunteer opportunities for the worries with the pandemic? Yes. So a lot of people are worried and, and myself included. Um, that I mean, this has hit so hard and it's hit every aspect of, of, everyone. Um, so I completely understand when people are like, oh, we really want to help, but but we can't come out yet. I get that um, tenfold. So I tell everybody the one suggestion uh, about the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's an easy thing to do at home. Another thing is soaps. We need hygiene items. So if you have been stealing soaps for years, like many of us do, and you decide that you're ready to clean out that closet, you go ahead and clean out that closet. We will take them. Shampoo, conditioner, dental floss, toothpaste, toothbrushes, all those things we need every single day. Another activity that's that's fun and not too expensive, um, baby wipes. We are desperate for baby wipes. And the reason is there's only one shower in all of Tempe for the homeless. And you can imagine it's it's backed up. I mean, there's Three three hour wait I've heard at uncertain days for showers. So can you imagine in the summertime, especially not bathing for weeks and weeks and months and months, the way they get clean is baby wipes. So what we do is we take a big old Costco batch and we break them down into baggies, and that way everybody gets some. Um, obviously, if we get 150 of the big packs, we'll hand them out because the goal every Tuesday is for me not to leave with anything. I want everything distributed because my garage I haven't parked in it in five years. 
there's just no room. I don't want anything to come home with me. That's why I tell everybody, I'm like, you know what? We have 50 bags of chips. I want everybody going home with as many as they can carry. Um, it's important. Another thing I tell people too is, is clean out your closets. It is the easiest freaking way to give back. Go through those closets. If you haven't touched that outfit in a year, put it in a bag and drop it off on my porch. We will make sure that someone gets it. All articles of clothing that we get goes to someone in need. So sometimes we get like prom dresses and cleats and stuff like that. If we can't use them, we'll donate them to House of Refuge, to Maggie's Place for the baby stuff, um, or and the whomever we can find to, to give those those clothes to. The stuff we keep are all t-shirts, shorts, jeans, sweatshirts, hoodies, all that kind of thing. Um, clean out the linen closets. We need blankets, even in the summertime, because if you can imagine, they're sleeping on the ground. Well, if it's concrete, it's hot. And if it's dirt, it's disgusting. So they, we really, we need blankets and um, towels and washcloths. Because in the summertime, when it's super duper hot, we try to bring out a big ice bucket. They can put some, put an ice ice cold uh, washcloth on their necks, and it, it helps to cool them down. We, um, you know, a question that I get actually quite often is how addiction. How do we lose our kids? How do they pass away? What is what's the main cause of it? And everybody kind of assumes it's going to be overdose. Surprisingly enough, surprisingly enough, it is not. Um, suicide has been the number one cause of death amongst the homeless that I deal with. I can't, I can't speak for any areas outside of Tempe. Um, it seems like depression, anxiety just takes a toll and that that's where it ends up. We, we have had some deaths due to overdoses, but they're, they're few and far between. We've had a couple of heat related deaths as well, where, you know, kids not off, they fall asleep, it's too hot, their body temperatures go sky high, and then they pass away. And, and it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. I know one of uh, a couple that we have who are no longer homeless, they're, they're in a trailer. Um, they have an entire wall with pictures of their friends who've died. And it, it's, it's tragic. And it's, you know, something we could do something about. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of mental health help for the homeless. Um, and, and that's difficult. Wow, that's that's horrible that so many people have died it from is. suicide. So I like to ask this on everyone that is on my podcast. If you only had 10 minutes to volunteer and make a difference in your community, what would you be using those 10 minutes to do? I would absolutely be feeding people. Uh, there's no question about it. I, I, I tell everybody who wants, who wants to do something but isn't quite sure what to do, put together a little snack pack and leave it in your car. When you see somebody homeless on the side of the streets, hand it out. You can't imagine how a smile to someone who's homeless, it, it just brightens their day. People ask me all the time if I hand out money, and I just don't. Um, unless, unless there's a need, like some of the kids will come to me and be like, Hey, you know, I need to get some dog food. Can I, can I please borrow $5? And, and if I know them, I will absolutely do that. No question about it. But in general, people are not comfortable handing out money. So if you have some time, put together a couple snack packs, put them in your car. If you don't have time or the money to do it, come to me. I'll give you a hundred of them. Just put them in your car. And when you're driving by, you hand them out. Um, that would be the number one thing that I would do. I would I would go get a couple pizzas. If you have 10 minutes and, and maybe $10, head, head, head to Little Caesars and grab a couple pizzas and head down to the parks and just hand them out. It, it, it will make somebody's day. And to be hungry, mostly cared for. That's the thing that, that 
that means the most to them, just that somebody cares about them. Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you, and Mm -hmm. that is, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? So I think the best thing for people to really understand is when when you look at a group of homeless people, just remember that every single one of them was in kindergarten at one point. And nobody's goal in life when they're in kindergarten is, wow, I think I want to grow up and live under a bridge. It's not the goal. It's not the way it's supposed to be for anyone. So when you see somebody, really see the person and try to try to just remove all the outside circumstance and just picture them in kindergarten and give them a smile. Because a lot of times that that really I'm going to end with 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 a story. So I have um, a gentleman, I I still call him my kid, but he's like 55 and he's amazing. And he's been off the streets for two years and he came every Tuesday, very much kept to himself. Didn't really talk to a lot of people. Took me forever for him to actually smile with me. And we would chat at the, we we go to the laundromat after we served dinner and let them do their laundry. And he would come to the laundromat because he needed to clean his clothes and we would chat and we would smile. And he, he, he told me, yeah, my wife and I used to volunteer way back when. And, you know, I would, I would love to do this. He said, if ever I get off the streets, I'm going to come back and volunteer with you. Said, that sounds great. Well, he told me after he got clean and sober that he had a way to end his life. I think it was a pill. He was going to overdose or something like that. And he said that if he did not smile one time every day, He had decided that it wasn't worth it to live his life. And that was going to be the end for him. And he told me that some Tuesdays gave him enough smiles to make it through the week until the next Tuesday. And I thought, oh, thank God that he had a smile every single day. So don't don't minimize what you do. Right. If you make someone smile just one time a day, that could be the difference in their life. And today he's, he's working at St. Mary's Food Bank. He comes out and volunteers. He's got a car. He's got a place. He's doing fabulous. Again, is his life perfect? No, it's not going to be. There's hard days all the time. But as long as he smiles every day, I know that he's going to be okay. That's an incredible story and in that you changed his life. That's, you've done so much positive in, through Eris, and I'm just so happy to be a part of coming to some Tuesdays and volunteering and giving back. I love coming, and anyone in the uh, Tempe area, if you haven't been to Eris, I 1,000% recommend coming. It thank is you. amazing. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for being a change maker in your community. If anyone who is listening knows someone who is a change maker in their community, please contact us so we can continue to expand our reach to have even more change makers all over the world have their stories be shared. Once again, I'm your host, Ashley Nevison, on One World, One Future, the Bite Size Podcast. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to know what's happening next.